0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast. 164. 164. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 164. I'm Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen all the way hey, over hey. in the UK. So how's the weather over there today? Actually, you know what? It's sunny, which is it? I, I find disturbing because it's not normally <laughs> like this. <laughs> it's really nice and sunny here too, so it's uh, supposed to get up in the 80s. Fahrenheit, yeah, of course. It,
1: it's, mild, it's mildly warm here, but yeah. um, it's it, it's nice. It has been a terrible week. We we always say here that whenever you have a bank holiday, then the weather's always terrible. And sure enough, on Monday, it was appalling. Yeah. So, the day you um, can
0: not get out and do stuff, that's the day that all the nasty weather will hit. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I think that's called Murphy's Law, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, people uh, associate Murphy's Law with the negative, but it's it's really not. The Murphy's Law really states whatever can happen will happen. Yeah. We just, as the human species, always go to the negative. <laughs> if well, we have I a suppose, day off and, and it could be a bad, you know, stormy day, it will be. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, I think I, part part of the thing is I think we always remember the things that go wrong. Yeah. Whereas we forget. We forget the many bank holidays we've had Where it's been nice and sunny And you've had a lovely time Those kind of don't stick in the memory
0: No, uh, I had like two years where I was really sick on, on, what was it? It was either Thanksgiving or Christmas I don't remember now uh, Because it's been a few years But I, there was two years running that I was sick both years And, uh, you know, I couldn't go to the family events And there's nothing worse than being like that, that level of being sick When you're running to the bathroom Every, you know, half hour or so and the family is gone and having a really good holiday. And that's all you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And you can't.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. But I, I think the other thing with Murphy's Law is that... um I think what goes along with it is a bit human psychology, which is I think we tend to recognize that there is a risk of something going wrong, but optimistically assume, no, it'll be all right. That won't happen to me. And then it does. And then you say, oh, well, that's Murphy's Law. It, it yeah, Whereas, in fact the real mistake was assuming the thing that the, the thing that could go wrong wasn't going to go wrong just because. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I always think about this whenever I'm doing anything on, the, on, the, you know, kind of technical support type thing for somebody. Yeah. It always seems to go slow, more slowly, or you always seem to have more problems than you expect. You think, Oh, I'll just do this. And then you find, no, well, that means I've got to do that and that and that. And then you're, you're sitting there and somebody stood over your shoulder going, well, have you fixed it? Have you fixed it? But the thing is you, you, you've sat there and you've, persuaded yourself that you can do it in five minutes when, in fact, if you took a step back from it, you'd realize it's probably a, an hour's job. Yes, and, exactly. and then you go, oh, well, it's Murphy's Law. The computer was working against me, and it all went wrong. And it's in fact, it was actually your own poor assumptions that led to that.
0: That seems to be the way it works. You know, Apple's new system, uh, where you kind of lock your device to your Apple ID? Yeah. Um, that actually works really well. I had a client who runs a pawn shop And he got an iPad, and he even has, uh, you know, the proof of of purchase, um, a photo ID of the buyer, who is the one that's linked to the iPad. Uh, She moved away or something, just disappeared. And by the time he got around to trying to reformat the iPad, it's locked to her Apple ID, because she's running iOS 7 on it. Yeah. And uh, he took it to the Apple Store, and there's nothing they could do. He called me. I went up. There's nothing I can do. Um, it works. And it's one of those things that I thought I should be able to get past this. I'm a pretty smart guy. I've been around Apple products long enough. There's going to be some tricks. Nope. No tricks. There's no way around it. (laughs) Um, and that's a good thing though. I mean, it's, it is designed for anti-theft. Yeah. If someone steals your iPad, well, at least, you know, they're never going to be able to use it because it is tied to your iPad or your Apple ID. And, um, and until... (laughs) until he can get a hold of the buyer or the seller i should say and have her log into her iCloud account and you know delete that item and unlock it it's not going to she can't do he can't do anything with it yeah and he paid I, uh, a couple hundred bucks for it
1: yeah well yeah that I guess I, if you're in if you're in a kind of a a resell, second-hand resale trade that can that can kick you in the behind. I, I I didn't notice that, actually. I I had um, I got this f- iPhone 5S from this girl at work who left. Yep. So they gave it to me, and uh, I took it to the Apple store within a month because the, the home button was very sticky. It was really stiff. So I took it and had it changed. Um, and then the one they gave me was – that was okay, but the one they gave me had really weak signals, so people kept on complaining they couldn't hear me when I was talking on the phone. So the couple of weeks later I went back and changed – that for another one again and it was interesting in that both times the first thing they, they said have you backed it up and i said yeah it's on iCloud and everything the first thing i said right before we get started can you turn off find my iphone yeah because of course that's how you avoid that lockout problem happening
0: exactly so uh yeah as uh, when i was working at a uh, mac specialist in chicago that's what we had to do in the service department always make sure they turn off their find my iphone because if you didn't You're not getting into it. Now, I don't think it locks people out of their Macs the same way, though.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, with with the iOS devices, it's all tied to that incredibly um, tricky encryption hardware they have in there. They really are. I was listening to a security podcast a few weeks ago where they they went through Apple's published documentation on how the security in iOS 7 and the 5S works. um, And it really is um, a very, very strong system. Yep. You you aren't... you are not getting into those phones if they don't want you to.
0: Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I, I, I see it from both ends, from a service provider standpoint and from a consumer standpoint. And I'm not going to complain about it. I mean, I, I want my devices secure. If if I lose it, I want to be able to ping it. I want to be able to see where it's at. I want to make sure that the thief who took it, you know, they, there's nothing they can do with it. So if I can't use my iPhone um, I'm damn sure no one else can either. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: and I, I suppose from Apple's perspective, if they get devices back that are like that, and they, for one never reason other, they haven't done that, I guess their only option then is to take the machine apart and swap out the chips. Yep, uh, and actually put new hardware inside. Like, I guess if you put the put a new encryption chip in there, then they, you would, because I think it generates a unique ID on the phone that then's registered with Apple, um, and then that's the only and they can't you can't change the systems of uh, uh, a hash so that they can't just change the id on your account correct they they can't even see what the ids are but effectively first time you turn a, a an ios device on and, and it talks to apple servers it generates that special id and then hashes it so you, no, nobody ever knows what that ID is except the phone, so there is no way, even for Apple, to go into the servers at the back end and turn that off. Right. So I guess they would have to replace that ID chip out to uh, to get around that. Of course, they're in a the position to do that, whereas your you know your your client can't.
0: <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> you know. I found a uh, unique th- reason to use Find My iPhone yesterday, and it didn't work. And I'll explain why it didn't work, but. Um, every year for the last well four years in a row now my daughter brooke has been in this um fight breast cancer thing called uh, girls on the run mm-hmm. i think it's kind of a take on band on the run but yeah and i don't know i don't think most people get the reference especially nah. my daughter and uh you know she has a good time doing it my wife runs with her every year mm-hmm. and they do it at this place called binder park zoo if you uh, google search binder park zoo you'll find it's a fantastic place and it's a 5k so a little over three miles or so 3.2 miles Mm -hmm. and we never know when they're going to finish and so there's literally thousands of people waiting and unless you rush right over to you know the last stretch you're not going to see them coming so you're you're hoping that you spot them and you can take a picture and do a video and all that and uh i was trying to figure out is there a way that I can kind of track her progress. And I thought, wait a minute, I could use Find My iPhone. If she's got her iPhone with her, I could use Find My iPhone, I could see her on the map and see when she's getting close. And so I was using it, I kept trying it and trying it and it was finding her phone, but it looked like she was standing right next to me. And I thought, well, maybe it's not so accurate where it's gonna pinpoint her exact location, but I've used it in the past and it, it put it right at my house before. Yeah then i realized uh brittany uh our 19 year old had julie's phone in her pocket
1: <laughs> so <laughs> i was thinking that
0: would to me would be the explanation yeah. so, you know i didn't realize that it, until afterwards a, it wasn't until right. we got in the car and, and brittany literally was handing julie her phone i said oh you had her phone she said yeah i said well i guess find my iphone was working and it was literally right next to me so yeah. um i thought that was funny though
1: the funniest thing i've ever had with that is that uh, i couldn't find my phone <laughs> I'm looking everywhere for I can find it. And eventually after 20 minutes, uh, I'm thinking, well, should I call the phone and see if it rings? But sometimes that doesn't work because you've left the silent button on, then that's not going to work. So I've got to find my iPhone. So with find my iPhone, you can actually make it give out a noise, Correct. which is really quite loud. And that works even if the phone is on silent. So <laughs> I go to the computer, I do it, Okay, start listening thing. All of a sudden I hear a screaming from upstairs. I dropped the phone next to my four-year-old daughter's bed. (laughs) She'd gone off to sleep for about half an hour before. All of a sudden, the phone starts doing this shrill noise. She's going, ah, ah. She she thinks the place (laughs) on fire or something. (laughs) Oh, there's my phone, honey. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just, as you were talking, I was using Find My iPhone, and I could see my wife is... uh, Oh let's see, she's about two miles away right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know where exactly she's going coming back from the gas station. I know she went and got coffee. Mm-hmm. So so where it's showing that she's at right now, I know she was actually driving right that second. I yeah. guess you could kind of abuse it if you're one of those husbands or a wife who wants to track your spouse's movement, that's a it's a perfect spying tool, isn't it?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Um you well uh, of course if you if you realize that you might be that you might be doing that, or that you your uh, your other half might be looking after that. You could always turn off iPhone. Off. That's so true. You'd have, you'd have to be thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, men, many, uh, both men and women, when they're in the situation where perhaps they're doing something they should they wouldn't want their spouse to know about, aren't often thinking ahead.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So let's get to some topics here, David. Um, one of the things that we kind of teased last week that we wanted to talk about. And we'll get to the WWDC stuff coming up on uh, Monday. In fact, the, when a lot of you listen to this, it will be Monday, and you'll already know. <laughs> you know, yeah, you thinking, might be well, driving well, it's home. Too, it's not talking
1: right, about all the right, stuff. right?
0: Uh You might be driving home from work Monday evening, listening to this podcast. So obviously, WWDC the the keynote happened hours ago. But for David and I, it's Saturday morning here in the U.S. and afternoon in the UK. So we have no idea what's coming up. Uh, other than what's been posted online but we'll get to that in a little bit the first topic though is amazon now david remember back uh oh about a year and a half ago where apple got in trouble with the department of justice for ebook price fixing and and bullying the publishers
1: well was it i don't think it was i think what came out of the trial wasn't that it i think part of the problem is was it wasn't bullying the publishers it was colluding with the publishers correct they had an idea they wanted to to move to a different pricing model for ebooks and apple facilitated that by basically saying yeah we'll sign up to that deal with you for our ebook store And, and i think i think what really the reason that apple got so heavily punished for that was because they basically allowed the publishers to collude they became the intermediary they were kind of the you know the the go-between that made it happen and i think that was why the department of justice took such a dim view um of of what 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 they did now you know i you can argue back and forth about whether that was an appropriate case to, to make uh, i mean the the jury decided against apple and apple's been living in with some quite onerous restrictions ever since then however i do remember at the time people said well hang on a minute there's an elephant in this room that's not getting mentioned in that case. And that's Amazon who uh, pretty much lock up the rest of the ebook industry.
0: Well, not the rest. I mean that they, they own what? 95% of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and people go, going, how come the government is spending so much time going after Apple when in fact, um, Amazon appears to be in a monopoly position and potentially could abuse it. And sure enough, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting, actually, that we had a week to to talk about this because I've had a chance to kind of think about it a bit more deeply than perhaps I would have done if we'd have talked about it last week. So um, I'm kind of not as I'm, – I'm a bit more on the fence than I thought I would be. Um, but, but let's, let's – why don't you just describe to us exactly what's happened first and then we'll, we'll talk it through.
0: Well, really, Amazon has um – a beef with a few publishers Uh and they want lower prices when it comes right down to it and they want lower prices so they can offer it to customers a lower price thus they'll sell more so i understand where amazon's coming from my problem is some of the tactics that they're now using for uh, a few select publishers that aren't falling in line and remember because amazon is the bookstore nowadays they do pretty much have an, a, a monopoly. Whether I, you would call it that or not, from a legal standpoint, I don't know. But when it comes to ebooks, they have a monopoly. There's no question. Nobody was buying books from uh, the iBook store. Uh, I, I'm a hardcore Apple guy, as you are. I can't tell you the last time I bought a book there instead of, you know, for my Kindle. No. That being, been. yeah, it's just, it's so much better on. Uh, on Amazon and that's a so so, strong point.
1: Yeah. And so much so that I still have a physical Amazon Kindle. So do that I, I, we, that, I, have I two. that I enjoy using, uh, even though I can run the Kindle app on my, on my iPad, I actually prefer using their, their hardware. Um, I, when actually, when I, I
0: don't have one right now because I gave my first Kindle to Brittany and Brooke, our, 11 uh, year old has my Kindle white paper, white right. paper, white or white paper, white
1: paper, white. Yeah. yeah.
0: She's got that one because she's been reading some books that I've been buying her on Amazon. And so she's kind of adopted that device. And I've been reading lately on my iPad, but it's still Kindle. Yep. So that's how ingrained we are here with Kindle and you're the same. So the tactics that they're using is making it very difficult to find these certain books on the Amazon website. Uh, they're delaying delivery. They're saying, oh, this this will ship in, you know, four to six weeks or six to ten weeks, even though it's immediately available. Uh, they're prominently promoting other books over the one that you're actually looking for. Oh, other people are buying these books instead of this one. It's very underhanded, very against the publisher and the writers. And if this was anybody else, if this was Apple doing this, If this was pretty much any company that has a a storefront that sells a lot of products, there would be a lot, especially if they have Monopoly powers, there would be a lot of news coverage because of it. But for whatever reason, the only ones that is covering this story at all, really, is the tech websites out there. It's not really a tech story. It's a consumer story. It's a yeah.
1: I, I'd say. Well, I mean that that might be the situation in the states. I mean here in the UK, it's gotten quite a lot of coverage with the BBC. Um, it's on the Guardian. It's in it's in our newspapers here. I think it's which is uh, I, and and that's that's an angle of this that I think the tech press hasn't really picked up on. the the big The big um, issue here is with a, a company called Hachette. Yep. Um, who are the fourth largest of the big five publishers in the U.S., but um, they are actually a European company. They're based in France. And I'm wondering if there's a, a part of the attitude here is um, an un- unwillingness by European company to capitulate to Amazon demands um, because basically they know that they have legal protection on their side in Europe. And I wonder if that's a factor here as well. There could um, be, yeah. I mean, yep. because of the way it's been covered, I, I can't really comment on that in terms of, of evidence. But it did occur to me when I started looking into who this bookseller was was um, and and uh, quite what was going on here. It, it did occur to me that maybe there was a there was a a, a regional influence. Uh, in in this now because it's a it's
0: very much a, a you know a European based publisher, not an American. And, and really, their biggest writer in that publishing company is J.K. Rowling's. Yeah. Now she she's not publishing the Harry Potter stuff there; it's her pseudonyms. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> in the publishing world, there is no bigger name nowadays than J.K. Rowling's. You can may have said Stephen King at one point, but I don't think so. Not anymore. A Stephen King release doesn't meet with even a tenth of the fanfare that a J.K. Rowling's yeah. book does, um, so that's kind of the story, David. And well, I don't, yeah, I think it's the tactics that Amazon is taking.
1: I think, to me, this this is what it, this is this is kind of once I looked into this a little bit more. This is this is where I came down. I I don't blame Amazon for not being able to reach a deal with Hachette on. Their books, Amazon is a is a corporation. Um, Amazon has uh, claims to be very much customer focused, and, and it claims that its drive for cheap prices are not just about outcompeting everyone else, but they are consumer. They're in the interest of the consumer. Mm-hmm. You can argue that, and that would that was really was the basis of the of the uh, the ant- antitrust lawsuit against Apple was the fact that the the uh, the collusion that went on was going to drive up. Uh, could potentially drive up book prices in the long term, even though in the short term they were cheaper than than Amazon. Um, so, so I don't blame Amazon for not being able to reach a deal. I think what makes me uncomfortable is the way that uh, Amazon has, yeah, the tactics Amazon has used, which is you know, for for a company who prides itself on delivering quickly. To be able to place an order and then be told that you're not going to get your book for six weeks right. is, in my view, is unacceptable. I think, uh, to, for, I think it's better, and it's also better, and for pre-order buttons to disappear, just for that publisher. Yep. Um, I think it's, I think it would be far better for Amazon to publicly say, "We are in dispute with this com- company until we resolve this dispute with this company, or they are disappearing from Amazon." I think that would be a much more straightforward. Um, and fair approach to everybody, rather than to um, you know, kind of do this thing where because the, the Hachette then says, "Well, the reason that the delays is because they're placing tiny orders; they're not bulking up the orders." And you know, really, Amazon is a is a company that's able to, able with their electronic f- storefront to see exactly what people order and order just in time. That's very much their business model. And yeah, so the absolutely. fact that they're not, they're not able to do that for this publisher suggests that they are deliberately dragging Debatate their feet. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that is really what makes me uncomfortable. I, I think to put it on the other side though, and I did read um, Stephen Fry actually, actually linked to a, a very interesting blog post about this from a, from a, a small uh, publisher um, that the basically said, look, a lot of the a lot of the pick up in the media about this is being is being anti Amazon, but in fact, you know, it's don't don't think that Hachette is just like some tiny minnow here. They are one of the biggest publishers in the world, and um, they are you know they are they're not they're not necessarily fighting for the right the consumer here they're fighting for their business model and maybe their business model needs to change uh and that sort of thing yeah so so you said to maybe you know don't don't just think you know this is the big a big corporate being uh untri- unfairly treating a smaller company has has done their fair chip fair particularly in the way they deal with authors their fair um share of of being unfair to people in the past as well yeah uh, and and this guy then went on to say, you know, actually, the way Amazon deals with smaller publishers and individual authors and everything is actually much better than the situation it was before, where all all you know, individual pub- all the individual authors had to go to a big publishing company and basically get screwed over by a big publishing company. And um, well, that's something
0: that I was also thinking of. That is a time for. And it's already happening, so this is somewhat of a rhetorical question. Is it time for the book publishers to kind of go away? What is the role of a book publisher nowadays? Now, look, if you are a big-time author like, say, J.K. Rowling's, and you want to sell your books, you can go directly to Amazon and it's electronic distribution only, right? But you can also go to websites and have your book printed on demand, she would do incredibly well (laughs) self-publishing she would make more money than she ever made before but what about the small guys well they could do the same thing david well exactly
1: i mean some of the
0: books we had on this show two or three years ago richard phillips and richard does the row row agenda series yeah and i love those three books and he's a self-publisher now It was electronic publishing only at the time. I believe that he's got a deal with some publisher to make physical books now. But he was a self-publisher. He released the books on Amazon exclusively initially. They got a lot of attention because people read them. They were cheap. They were 99 cents each at the beginning. Well, the first book was. Because it got a lot of attention, Amazon featured it. And when Amazon features you, boom, your, your, your sales goes through the roof, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's making a living without having to deal with one publisher. You know, he gets the same deal as a JK Rowling's would when it comes to percentages. It's basically, you know, as a publisher or as a writer, you get 70%. It's pretty much the same deal as app developers get in the app store. And yeah. the reason I know this is because I ran a, a small publisher for a little bit and we did sell electronic books. So I know exactly what the deal is. It's exactly the same deal you'd get as an app publisher. You make uh, 70% and Amazon keeps 30%. That's a good deal. That's a much better deal that you'll get with any publisher ever, anywhere.
1: And the publishers are very much like the music labels in that they are a middleman who in the past were the only route to get your um, creative works in front of the consumer. That's right. And therefore you had to pay that premium and they, you know, they made the bulk of the profit from the sales. And because there was actual
0: costs involved when it came to printing and editing and promoting promoting yeah. was the big thing but
1: just in, just in the same way that, yep. that if you were if you were making a record there was costs involved in, Absolutely. in in engineering and production and then physical media distribution and promotion again and that was the deal and over time i mean we we've heard many stories how they you know the the artist behind a a, a successful a single or album doesn't make an awful lot of money off those record
0: sales if any um, a lot if of them any. didn't make any yeah. because they would sign these contracts they would get a uh, a percentage of the money up front, but then they would literally have to pay that money back from their royalties. Yeah,
1: and it's and it's. Uh, I don't think I don't think book publishing is is quite that bad. But but let's face it, you know your average <laughs> your, your average. Dude, book, remember
0: also, not only did I run a publishing company, I am a published author. Yeah, well, I, I wrote two books yeah. back in uh, the mid aughts that they didn't sell well, and I got a flat fee. But I saw the different contracts. Yeah. and the different deals that i were offered and i took the flat fee just so i knew that's how much money i'm going to get
1: but but yeah let's let's face it they, for every multi-million pound um, author like jk rowling stephen king whatever there are many many other authors who barely scratch
0: a living through the traditional yeah, that would be 95 percent of the rest yeah, of the office exactly so
1: so with that in mind you know let's not Let's not immediately uh, paint Amazon as the bad guy and the publishers as the good guys no, in this
0: fight. No, I, I, I would definitely <laughs> wouldn't do that. But what I would yeah. say is, um, you know, if it's a war, well, this is one battle, yeah. right? And the tactics that Amazon is using in this particular battle, I think are deplorable.
1: I, I I would agree with you. I mean, I, they make me. They certainly make me feel very uncomfortable. The fact that uh, I, look, I, I tried. I tried to equate it. Equate it with with what would happen in the physical world. Um, in, in, in you know, if if, if uh, I guess uh, borders or something something like that. I know borders have gone now, but um, if they were having uh, a. An, an argument with a supplier over a, a particular type of book, they will probably just not carry the book until it was resolved. Yep. What they wouldn't do is if you picked up, found the book in one of their stores and you took it to the checkout, they wouldn't turn around and say, oh, yeah, we can't sell you that today.
0: Yeah. If you come back in three days, we can like, – you, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah, you, right. you can pay it for it today.
1: Yeah, that's right. You can't have it for another three days. can't have it for three days. Yeah. And <laughs> what, they, what they also wouldn't do is say to you, don't buy that. Right. here, yeah, Buy this one instead. it's, yes. it's I mean – that's probably the worst thing of this is to to is to say, oh well, we can't send you that book for four weeks, but you can have this book because
0: that's screwing over the authors. Well,
1: well, well, not only that, yeah, not only that, the book books aren't interchangeable. No, uh, but you know, you if you want to buy a book, it's not because you fancy reading something in that style. I mean, sometimes it is, but. Most times it will be you've selected that one. That's the one you want to read. Correct. And that to me, it is quite objectionable to turn around and say, oh, don't buy that. Buy this one instead. It's just as good." Yep. You know, it's not. It's not like. Um. It's not like buying records. You know. Well, yeah. it's not like buying No Name Orange Juice from the supermarket versus uh, Tropicana Pure Premium, is it? It's it, <laughs> they're not I, I'm the same. You. Yeah. You know, I think you're exactly not, right. Yeah. So, so we. I. I think the tactics that Amazon have used are are. Unacceptable, and I think what they should do if they are, if they want to be, I I do I do believe they are truly customer focused. But really, I think the best way to be customer focused in this respect is not to just be silent, because um, I think that's also part of the problem as well. Is that they haven't spoken about this, and right, they've we're let, only
0: hearing one side.
1: Yeah, they've let the court of public opinion basically hammer away at them, and they've not really said an awful lot back. But and I think the court of public is,
0: opinion. That's only informed by one side.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think I think Amazon would do better to be more open with its customers. And I, I again, going back to, if you look at what happened with Apple and the music industry, even Apple, who were famously secretive and didn't say an awful lot, on occasion made public statements. As so Steve Jobs famously would post these open letters. Yep. So why not have an open letter from Jeff Bezos saying? look, this is what's going on here, this is why we think what we have done is in the customer's interest, uh, and to maybe respond to some of the criticism, and maybe he's got a good argument for saying this is why um, books aren't coming out for six weeks, and this is why we're suggesting other authors' books. Maybe he's got a good defense of that, but until we hear that from him, we can only speculate, and it it does come across as a bit bully boyish whether it whether it really is or not it comes across like that and and i don't think that's in amazon's best interest at all
0: i i I think it's hurting amazon to be honest and i'm surprised they haven't responded yet i mean honestly i i would have thought because amazon's usually pretty good when it comes to putting stuff out there you know they haven't done anything so I don't know. It, uh, it's,
1: there was there was one. I think there was a blog post somewhere or some somewhere. It was it, it was buried deep in the Amazon system. Yeah. Um. Doesn't help them. Yeah. You know. It, I mean, bearing in mind that the, the, if they put something on the front page, pretty much everybody on the planet's going to read it.
0: And remember, so, so all this being said, David and I are Amazon fans. I'm a Prime well, yeah, member. So good. are you, right? Me too. Yeah, I love Amazon's services. I I've loved them. For years, I mean, I'm a I'm a member uh, since 2007 when the when the program started. There's an exclusive club that most people don't hear about, um, and actually, there's another MyMac writer that's a, a member of it too. I didn't realize that until uh, he updated his bio, and we discussed it a little bit. It's called Amazon Vine. We get free products every month to review, and mm-hmm. we get to keep those products. I mean, usually it's books sometimes this you know you get little things here and there i've got a couple video games in the past but this month david i uh i got two things i really i was quite a quite amazed about and uh what is it one's a, a nailer uh, a pneumatic nailer nail uh-huh. gun and the other is a uh, dyson vacuum cleaner wow yeah it was a 500 hundred dollar vacuum cleaner and it's awesome by the way and uh you know, the reason that I was selected from the initial group was because of how many reviews I had posted and how many people said that those reviews were helpful for them to make a determination, good or bad, on whether to buy a product. And, uh I mean, I was the very, one of the very first people in this group. And that was because even back in 2007, I had posted that many reviews, right? Yeah. So... That demonstrates i've been with Amazon for a long long time <laughs> yeah i I really like Amazon, but in this case I you know whether they're right or wrong, the tactics that they're using is wrong, and i I just yeah i'm with you it really makes me uncomfortable, and I wish they would just come out and say something yeah but i I suppose
1: the thing I guess that the the big pub publishers should be aware of is that Amazon plays a long game. Yeah, you know they they rode out. They you know they formed in the before the dot com bubble, but they rode that out. Um, they've transformed themselves several times into be one of the biggest companies in the world. This, I would argue, they're probably uh, in terms of retail, they're the biggest online company in the world.
0: It is, and um, that's surprising you know. when you see how much profit they make. It's not as much as you would think.
1: No. But but that's one of the reasons for that is that they I think they plow an awful lot of their profit back into price reductions and keeping Absolutely. their overheads low. You I know, so that so they so they're, they are about you know customer turnover. Um, but the thing is, is that for Amazon to be behaving in this, just to to, to avoid, move away from the do's and don'ts of of the argument itself, uh, I think this says this is a bellwether to say that as far as Amazon concerned, Amazon are concerned. Um, Print book publishing is is a sideshow. Ebook publishing is the future.
0: I would agree. Uh, For me, it's it's the now. I haven't bought a physical yeah, book in but, a long but, time.
1: But but let's face it. There's an awful lot of people who, you know, I was in I I, I was in the um a uh, book retailer yesterday at the station. when I Was coming back from London, uh, and it was busy in there. Lots of magazines, lots of print books, and everything being bought. There's an awful lot of people who don't do electronic books today. Yep. Um, very much the majority, I would say, but clearly, as far as Amazons concerned, they see that as being the future, and they're very interested in getting the terms and conditions of ebook publishing in the in the position they want it to be for their business going forward. and I think the publishing industry needs to be aware of that mm-hmm. and um, you know maybe I think the smarter perhaps a smarter thing. For the, I guess they can't do it now because of what happened with the with the Apple case. But perhaps the smartest thing for the big pub publishers would have been is to create their own ebook store a long time ago,
0: where they they were in control. Yeah, but the problem there is, and it's an age old problem, when an established, long running, um, what's the word? I don't want to say company, uh, publishing business publishing model if you will yeah like oh i don't know the music industry the book publishers the movie industry or the uh, television industry um when something comes along and changes your the fundamental business they're very very slow to react yeah they and they try to take legal action and they they do all these deplorable things to keep the status quo not realizing that it's already too late, that you can never, ever put the genie back in the bottle. No. You know, Napster did it for music, and then Apple with iTunes kind of legitimized it. Um, same thing's happening with television and movies, with Netflix, with Apple, with Amazon, yeah. with Hulu. And you can't put the genie back in the bottle. We're never going to go back to the 80s, people, <laughs> <This> <laughs> where is people the thing are that... replacing all their music with another physical storage disc. It's just yeah. not going to happen. And that's why I knew six, seven years ago that it didn't matter if it was going to be HDTV or whatever Microsoft's thing was, uh, HD DVD that was theirs, or yeah. Blu-ray. It didn't matter. Because digital was already there. It was just coming on strong. It, it, nobody wanted physical copies. Yes, there's always going to be the, the last holdouts. You know, there's still people out there looking to buy a buggy whip, okay? Yeah. But the majority of the people have cars now. The majority of the people have computers and iPads and, and uh, Samsung phones. And it, it's just the way it is. And you can't yeah. go backwards and wish and hope and sue people trying to get your old business model that made money for you, but cost the consumers a lot more because the consumers yeah. themselves, the people that are consuming your product have already moved on and you can either get out ahead of it and profit from it, or you can do what a lot of the publishers are doing now when that's going broke. Yeah. And the content is, providers, David, yeah. and the, the last thing I'll say, the, la- the content providers themselves as new ones, come up in the world, they're not going to a music company, a record company. They're not going to uh, a book publisher. They're not going to Hollywood. They're going to YouTube and posting their own thing. They're going directly to Amazon and selling their book for 99 cents and still become millionaires because that's how many are, are selling you know that's that's the future and uh, absolutely the content providers themselves have already moved on so these these big businesses that want to keep things the way they've always been are dinosaurs they just are
1: yeah i i about um go, i guess it, it must be about nine ten years ago now um i picked up off ebay a very early ebook reader called the rocket book
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah i remember that um
1: yeah it was you know it was kind of uh, if you can kind of imagine anybody who knows what the um what the Newton message pad looked like from apple mm-hmm. it looks a little bit like that same sort of technology grayscale screen uh kind of an electroluminescent backlight kind of bulky uh kind of low res didn't Sony buy them out uh, they may well have done
0: yeah um,
1: somebody which, did I think yeah, it was anyway Sony. it wasn't a huge success this thing. But the thing is, which is why I picked it up cheap off, cheap off eBay. But I went on vacation on a cruise ship and I took a whole mess of books with me and read most of them while I was away. Um, my wife kind of said, oh, what's that what you've got there and everything. And I, I showed it to her and she she said, oh, that's really, really good. you know. But to me, at that point, I realized that that was the future because the fact that you could put any book you wanted on there and and have a whole load of books with you without having to take a whole load of physical books. I, I recognized then that, that, you know, electronic books were going to have to be, we're going to have a big future. Yeah. Um, and, and really, that was the time then where the the uh, book publishing industry could have got on gotten on board. Yeah. Um, and they haven't. They failed. Yeah, for and, me, uh, it's, they it's let almost... They let somebody, yeah, they let somebody take it away from them. Amazon yeah. has taken it away
0: from oh, them. Oh, absolutely. No question. Yeah. And Apple's on board oh. with that now. And uh, I'm sure there's other ones, but I, I don't use any of the other ones. And... For me, it's an everyday thing. I go to pick up the kids at the bus stop. I don't bring my iPad or my Kindle with me, but my iPhone is with me. Yeah. And, well, the bus is running late. I've got another 10 minutes to sit in my car, especially when it was very cold out. (laughs) Guess what? I could pick up reading right where I left off on my other device. Yeah. And that is something that's addictive. That sort of freedom away from a physical object. I have to have this book with me
1: but so so amazon in that position that you know they're gonna have their turf wars with the publishers yep which is fine
0: um and and i and, encourage it just as long as the tactics don't become such yeah, that you hurt authors and your customers
1: exactly don't don't have um you know uh, unintended casualties on the so side i guess lines. if we just
0: said that right at the beginning david it would have been a five minute segment right <laughs> <laughs> speaking of segments let's take a, a break right here Uh, play an ad, and we'll be back with uh, WWDC info. Be right back. Siri, I'm looking for a new Apple podcast to listen to. Any recommendations? I found one new podcast for you, but it looks like they only record themselves drinking and chatting about the latest Apple news and rumor.
1: Well, that sounds great. What's it called?
0: It's called the MacGist Podcast. But, Nick, why would anyone listen to that?
1: Well, Siri... Alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life.
0: I found these five rehab clinics near you. Would you like directions?
1: Ugh, Siri, enough with the rehab. Just download the latest MacGist podcast now.
0: I'm sorry, Nick. I cannot
1: do that at this time. Go home, Siri. You're drunk. That's not nice. Eh, what does she know anyways? Check us out over at themacgistpodcast.com.
0: Back here on Tech Fan number 164, Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. If you guys want to get a hold of us, and we'd really appreciate it if you did, because we love feedback, uh, simply send an email to Tim at TechFanPodcast.com or David at TechFanPodcast.com. He had that one queued up, ready to go. I could tell. He was ready. He was on the ball. (laughs) Uh, Of course, you can always go to our website, TechFanPodcast.com, and leave a comment Uh, underneath any of the shows, and we'll read those here on the air as well and uh while i'm talking about other things real quick i do have another podcast that i record every other week it's called the owc radio podcast 2.0 version we just released episode number four this week i did an interview with dave hamilton uh went real well we talked for oh probably 40 45 minutes had a lot of fun doing that podcast david uh dave's one of those guys you know i think you've actually met him at in uh, person at at uh well, I have Alexmo, I've, haven't you i've been to one of his famous parties yeah and uh he's a great guy he's he's been an apple user before the mac and we talk about that he's also a drummer he's his kids he is teaching to be drummers as well kind of and uh, you can hear that and a lot more on the owc podcast number four you can find it in itunes or you can simply go to either uh, stoplightnetwork.com and find uh, the latest episodes there as well as TechFan and all the other episodes uh, in the Stoplight Network is listed. Every time a new episode comes out, you will find it at stoplightnetwork.com. You can also like Stoplight Network on Facebook and uh, more importantly for OWC Radio, if you go to blogs. or blog. Mac, or um, yeah, MaxSales.com. Say, I'm a lot of Mac things going on in my life, David. I keep wondering. <laughs> so, blog.macsales.com. At the very bottom of the page, there's a big prominent OWC, the latest episodes displayed right there. So, that's where you can find that show. I hopefully, uh, some of you listeners are listening to that one as well. I have fun doing it, David. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's good. So, like we said at the beginning, by the time some people are listening to the show, WWDC has already happened. And there's a few things that we know for a fact is going to be talked about at least. I don't know if they're going to be released, but we know they're at least going to be talked about and shown. The first thing is iOS 8. And the reason yeah, we shocker. know that because, well, <laughs> yeah. we, we know is, that for two is, reasons. A, yeah, it's a hard, developer's hard, conference.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, but also the hardcore investigative journalists have been at work.
0: <laughs> yeah, they've taken pictures from within Moscone Center. <laughs> Or, no, there's a couple I could tell that they took a picture going inside. Yeah. Um, although the one I'm looking at, I could tell, is taken through the, the glass door on the west side, because <laughs> I know this building. Yeah. And you could clearly see uh, an eight on a big <laughs> banner. A big eight. A big yeah. eight. And now there's another banner going up with a big X. And the picture behind the X, for anybody that knows their geography, is Yosemite. Yosemite. Yosemite, I know. <laughs> so, I, actually,
1: I actually think it won't be called Yosemite. I think it will be called El Capitan.
0: You think so? Which,
1: yeah. Which is isn't that the mountain that that they kind it of is. it looks like El Capitan. Yeah. So so I I think OS ten point ten El Capitan would be awesome
0: rather than Yosemite. But I think right. so, but it's it sounds very braggy.
1: Exactly. Something I don't know. It awesome.
0: just that rubs me the wrong way. But yeah. I don't know. So we know those. We and it's going to be macOS ten ten. Although technically, wouldn't it be ten ten ten?
1: It'll be OS ten ten point ten. Yes. Yeah.
0: So. Because no, you're,
1: you're not meant to say OS X. So no. It will be OS OS ten ten point ten. I uh, to be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me if this became OS ten Yosemite, and they actually dropped the ten point.
0: No, they won't because. They need that for, um, security updates and stuff like that. But I did want to ask you, David, what do you think about every year we're getting a brand new Mac OS operating system?
1: Uh, Funnily enough, I'm sat here looking at these banners, and then I'm realizing that the machine I'm talking to you on, which is my Mac Mini in my my office, is still running Mountain Lion. I never got around (laughs) to upgrading to Mavericks. I'm thinking, what should I do now? Should I upgrade some Mavericks? I have been thinking about doing it now. I've got all my backups sorted. That's free too, so. Yeah, should I upgrade some Mavericks now, or should I just wait and do it in one go and go straight from uh, Mountain Lion to whatever's coming next? Um, So... I. (laughs) I mean, it, it's hard to say until we know what's in it, really.
0: Um, yeah, I I'm, I have no clue what 1010 is going to have. I, I, I'm clueless. I really am. And I think that's because the Mac is such a mature operating system that I think there's very few, holy moly, I have to update for that feature. Um, oh, so this is with, one of the reasons
1: I've never upgraded this particular machine. But right. having said that, there are quite—I use uh, Mavericks on my on my laptops, and there are quite—I kind kind of like the notification center.
0: Yeah, that gets annoying uh, after a while, though. I'll be honest with you; I get notifications on everything, and I'm I'm this close to turning off notifications on my Mac. I mean, it's it just pops up all the darn time, especially mail. It's uh, yeah, and in an office environment, sometimes, um. You'll see other machines come on, and you'll get a notification of that. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, I'm torn. I'm torn on notifications and the new Finder view. I thought I would really use a lot. Eh, I'm still on list view.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I mean Finder tabs was a big feature as well. I keep forgetting they're there. I still end up normally if I'm moving something from one place to another, I end up with two Finder windows.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, I think that's just our habit. But do you think it's going to be more bringing some of the features from iOS over to uh, uh, the Mac? And well, if so, I, which?
1: I don't. I don't. I think they're done with that. To be honest, I don't. I th- I think that was a um, that was a um, a kind of a bit of a of a of a route they went down that that they realized wasn't so great. Really, if you I mean in in Mavericks, a lot of those features didn't really didn't really get brought along. You know, they had that um in in mountain line they had that um what's it called the mission uh, not mission control the uh launch pad yeah it's kind of like the i o screen i mean that's that's gone the way of the dashboard in that nobody's looked at it ever since
0: i don't know have <laughs> they i mean i don't i don't see enough don't, they Macs don't do out in the wild but i i don't know anybody who uses it
1: i i I spend a lot of time in apple stores and i've never seen anybody even demonstrating in an apple store. You show what you, you you know. For me, that's the bellwether of what people use. In OS ten is is what they show off in the Apple Store. Uh, I actually, when I was having that phone changed, um, the second time, I spent a lot of time in the store because the um, the iOS eight uh, the iOS seven point one update had come out, and mm-hmm. yet the phone they gave me had seven So to uh, in order to actually be able to start my iCloud restore, I had to do the update first. So I I sat in the Apple. So I had time to kill, so I sat in the Apple Store for about forty minutes and did it and let my restore start on the Apple Wi-Fi network. So and I was sat at a table across from somebody who was, she was a student there with her mother and she was looking to buy a Mac. Um, and so I while I was sat at the table, I listened on in on what the the guy was telling her about why the Mac was so good and what advantages it was her and, and everything, and it was really quite interesting the things that he sold mavericks on to her i mean some of the stuff was obviously was about the actual hardware itself the macbook area i think he was trying to get her to buy but you know he talked a lot about the energy management um the uh the app store the um you know the the way the way the, the the machines would wake up from sleep and and update themselves automatically and things like that all these kind of features but he didn't talk about some of the things you might think you would sell to somebody like Launchpad, oh, it's really easy to find your apps or anything. No, there was none of that. Hmm, you
0: know. Interesting.
1: So, uh, so I, yeah, I did, I did find that, find that interesting. Um, he, he didn't even talk about it. He, he took them through the Finder a bit. I don't even remember him talking about Finder tabs. Um, yeah, I,
0: I don't know anybody who uses them. And I thought I was going to when I first saw Mavericks demonstrate it. I thought, that, I want that. But, nah, no, I don't use it. Yeah, a um, lot of rumors going around about home automation, smart home technology. That Apple's going to be pushing this. Some people say it's going to be um, hardware that Apple's going to release, which I would be surprised about. Others are saying it's more of a platform, because home automation's been just a, a mess, to be honest, for an average person to do.
1: I I think I think home automation is interesting. They, there's been a big apparently. Um Philips, one of their biggest products now are those light bulbs that iOS can talk to. The yes, but they
0: cost $100 each. Yeah, no, but
1: but despite the fact they cost $100 each, it has become a huge part of Philips' business. A much bigger part than they ever thought it would be. I know, I know somebody who works there, and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And he said, because um, I, I kind of made a joke about, you know, Philips are a bit of a... Second-rate consumer electronics company now, and and he said, yeah, he said because, because they're big. There's two big parts of the Philips business. There's medical devices. Yeah, uh, you ever go to a hospital, you will see all a lot of the monitors and the machines that control the MRIs and everything are actually Philips. Um, so their medical devices division is massive. And he said the other thing that's grown enormously is this home automation division, particularly these LED lights. He says it, they are selling them as fast as they can make them. So despite the costs, people are buying them. Yep. So you, I, I wonder whether, whether Apple sees an opportunity there. But just looking at these banners at Moscone, it says the tagline for the conference is write the code, change the world.
0: Yeah, so that, to me that means it's going to be a platform. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be limited to iOS. I think it's going to be on the Mac as well.
1: But but when it when it says change the world, that does suggest that that they have a big aspiration for this. Whether yep. it comes off or not is it, but it implies to me it's more than just the tech. You know, the the iOS Mac ecosystem. It does imply to me that perhaps it they they're going to do something more than just. Um, what they've done before.
0: And, I, you know, it's, some people could point at the cars and say, yeah, but they still haven't... Well, they've tried to do some stuff in the cars, but <clears throat> the auto industry is weird. Unless you're going to buy a car that has that new feature, it, it means nothing to you. Or if you want to buy an aftermarket radio and have it installed in your car, which isn't an option for some people, um, and, and yet the ones that are iOS c- compliant, if you will, they're extremely expensive. So... You know, the automobile, I I still think it's, you just directly connect your iPhone to the stereo and there you go. That's, it's not going to get any better than that for a while. Um, But home automation is something that I think could really take off for Apple um, as a platform. And it's something I would love to be able to see. You know, combining your security system at home, if you have one, uh, or companies could start coming out with relatively inexpensive home security systems where it doesn't call, you know, a central processing unit who then calls the police for you, it just simply calls you. And you can look and you can see what's going on and then you can call the police if you want. Um, <clears throat> there's a I, yeah, there's a I, huge I, opportunity in this sector. There
1: is I, I think I think the 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 big risk with that if that's something they want to do, if they just build a platform, um I don't see that being successful cuz I think one of the things that Microsoft has found and they're, they're, they've changed their approach recently and they've started trying to do their own devices is that if you just rely on the conventional tech companies to use something you've built...
0: Yeah, they'll do it wrong.
1: They'll, yeah, they'll, they'll just do it the, the same old way they've done it. And, and let's face it, home automation, what's the big problem with home automation? It's far too complicated. It is. It's too expensive. It's too complicated. And not only that, I think it's too open. I don't think you... Giving somebody a system that says, right, well, you can now control this and this and this and this and this with your device is particularly useful because everyone just sits there and goes, right, well, okay, so I've got all this potential. How do I make that? What, what What do I really need it to do? I think it needs to be very focused, very... You kind of need to lead the consumer down the home automation path. You need to give them products, but that if there's says, right,
0: any company that could really bring partners on board to do it right, it would definitely be Apple.
1: Yeah, but I think they would have to lead the way oh, by agree. showing them how it's done, rather than just say, "But is that still a generic platform? platform?" Well, if it, it could still be a platform and um, and provide opportunity in the future, but I think they would have to launch it with something from
0: themselves yeah and I, I think,
1: think if, they, if they if they don't then it will be another one of these things kind of like uh, iBooks author has been where you know it's really really cool technology but it's just not a lot of people use it
0: a lot of people are saying split screen iPads David um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how that's gonna work and I'm not sure I, if I need it or not but I'm intrigued by it
1: I, I as somebody who really I mean you know it, it depends what you use your iPad for I quite aggressively use mindful work and one of the things i always that probably one of the best things i think about windows 8 on a tablet is it has that feature where you can do a split screen and it's incredibly useful yeah and in fact just yesterday i was um i needed to generate a list of podcasts with the times on because I needed to justify to an accreditation organization how many hours of a particular podcast i would listened to over the last year. Part of my security qualification is that I keep up on the industry, and one of the ways I can qualify for that is by listening to security podcasts. So I need to tell them how many hours I've listened to over the last year. Now, I ended up on my iPad using um, uh, Excel for iPad as the spreadsheet to, to do that calculation, and then I used my iPhone as the second screen to actually see what the podcast uh, descriptions and dates and listings were. Now, so that's split prim- screen would have been perfect. Split screen would have been perfect for that. Um, and I think there is an opportunity to provide some sort of system like that in iOS. I think it would help on the productivity side, particularly for most people who are you know, reading books or, or browsing the web or um, that sort of thing. Probably not going to need it. But think about it. How many times have you been reading something on the web on your iPad and then you've received an email and you've flipped into email and then flipped back again. Wouldn't it Never, be kind of because nice I to don't, have... I
0: don't check email on my iPad.
1: Right, But but I'm sure plenty of people who yep. do. Absolutely. And wouldn't it be nice to have both of those things on the screen at the same time? <clears throat> what if you're playing a game and you want to
0: know about a cheat code? Yeah. That'd be a great.
1: The problem is is actually technically doing that well is going to be really hard, particularly with the constraints yeah. that iOS has because the way it presents
0: on-screen controls. Yeah, uh, it buttons. would have to do yeah.
1: it would have to do some sort of dynamic resizing of the app to to put it on one side even on an iPad Air. It, I would imagine it would be pretty much unusable on an iPad mini. Yep. Um so it kind of depends on how they do it if they do it. And um I and one thing I've heard, I heard John Gruber say uh last week which I I actually found interesting. He said you say split screen for productivity and I hear that makes the iPad more complicated.
0: Yep, I heard that too, and I yeah.
1: agree. Yeah, so there could be a thing where they they just say, that's fine but we're not going to do that." Yeah, the pro, they're, they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they do it, everyone's going to say, "Oh, you just copy that from Microsoft because it's it's one of the standout features of Windows 8." And if they don't do it, people say, "Oh, out touch, you don't listen."
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> is what people want to do. um
0: iPhone six. I don't think I we're going to see anything. About I think that. it's
1: early for the iPhone six. I, I think that I think that's a that's a full event. Yep, uh, running up the holidays. In um, fact, I th- I think all the hardware sits there now. I don't
0: all know the all the, the IMac all the, the, all the books, no can... all the iOS hardware. I oh thinking. I agree I um, agree. MacBooks iPads. I don't think we're going to see maybe an iPad. Uh, you're going to see nothing on the Mac uh, the Mac Pro. That's still too new. No,
1: that's too new, and they just—they just bumped the MacBook Air.
0: Yeah, I could see maybe something with Apple TV because that is an iOS device. This is a developer's conference, and uh, you know they keep adding new things to it. So I think I think it's about time for a new Apple TV, don't you? I mean, we've had the same one now for what two and a half years, and yeah, longer I, than I, that if you consider that. The second generation was, for all intents and purposes, exactly like the third generation, except for it does 720 instead of 1080.
1: Yeah, in fact, the second generation was the one everyone wanted because it was easy to hack. Yes, but um, I, will I can see, I can see the interface changing. I'm I'm not sure whether the hardware would change.
0: Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, does the
1: hardware need to change?
0: If it's going to be more than what it is now, yes. If it's going to become more of a game console as well, yes, it needs to change. Uh, Apple needs a physical controller. If you want to work in the living room, you can't use a, a, a flat screen because you're looking at the TV. You're not looking at your phone, uh, so you need some kind of a tactile feedback. You need to feel the you know the, the joystick, the the thumb drives, or the not the thumb drive, yeah, the I thumb whatever. The
1: that's another technology where I've been disappointed. They they put controllers point one seven, and where that where are all the controllers? Well, There's I've like got two. one.
0: I've got which one, one? Have you got? The Steel Stratus. Yes, and the problem with it is I've got an iPad three, and it's not compatible with an iPad three. I don't know why it should be. There's it's the same Bluetooth it's a, controller. It's,
1: it's a Bluetooth,
0: yeah. Um, uh, so I've got to test it with my iPhone five. But the problem is I don't put games on my iPhone five right. really. So. I'll put GTA San Andreas on here for a couple of weeks, try it out, and see how it works. I keep
1: every time I go on the
0: Apple Store, I look at them, and
1: but over here they're sixty pounds. That's a hell of a lot of money for a controller. It is, and it's really small too.
0: Um, yeah, it is. Looking at the picture, it kind of looks like
1: I don't mind it being small because I travel a lot. I mean, yeah, that would actually it's, it's work really for
0: me, tiny. It's a lot. T- it, it will literally fit inside my hand easily. Yeah, um, but I haven't used it yet, so I'm not going to prejudge it. Uh, of course, they're going to talk about Beats and that acquisition. That did happen um, from the time that we talked about it last until now. Uh, $3 billion. I don't care. There's, anybody listening to this has already read and heard that to death. Um, and I'm bored with it, to be honest.
1: Well, but, uh, uh, it, it seems to be too early for anything to come out that for the developer conference.
0: And people are talking about the iWatch. Oh, motorcycle going by. Oh, I love motorcycles. Especially the guys go, you know, when I hear that, what I think small penis. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So so anyways, I don't know. We've got for you and I about 24 hours left before, or 48 hours left before we find out. And uh, whatever is released, uh, we will come back here on the very next tech fan podcast and discuss it. We're trying to work out. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, Nick from the MacGist podcast would like to come on and discuss WWDC with us. I think that would be great. And uh, he said he wants to come on and, and get us to drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, Nick, I own myMac.com, and I have since 95. <laughs> yeah. But the difference is we're not just Mac users. We're not just iPhone users. We love technology in general. And that's why we talk about a lot of different tech things here on the tech fan podcast. I mean, if someone asked me describe what the tech fan podcast is, it's a, it's a podcast about tech. (laughs) I can't get any more generalized than that or specific. I mean, that's, that's what this show is, David. And, uh, it
1: is, but, but having said that, we are dyed-in-the-wool, Mac fans. Absolutely. So much so, much so and I, I'll send you the picture of this for the show notes, but I actually have a lamp on top of my monitor here. That is the Apple logo.
0: <laughs> okay, you have to send that to me as soon as we get done recording, I will do that for the yeah. album. So if anybody listening to this on your iPhone, you should be able to see this picture already. And if you want to see it, you don't see it on your phone or you're listening to it on another device, go to Tech Fan Podcast com and look for show one six four. You'll see the picture David's talking about. I want to see that myself. But yeah, we're we're definitely die hard uh, Mac users. But I'll be honest with you, David. I've been looking at a few of these little tiny PCs. I've been looking at a few well, of those. Yeah, the, as, the,
1: you're talking about the um, the ones about the size of an iPad of an Apple TV. the yes. Intel new what they call new unit of computing. Yep. Initiative. Yep. Yeah, they're
0: they're kind of cool.
1: A bit pricey for what they are, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's the
0: only thing that's holding me back, but I... I Cause especially the really ones you like buy.
1: Them. Yeah, the ones you buy don't even have any memory or...
0: Right, but then I keep in, thinking, well, if I just want a PC, I have a Mac.
1: Yeah.
0: I can install Windows on it and boot camp and, and do that, so... I'm torn. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, we need to wrap up this episode. We're over an hour at this point, David, and my wife's probably wondering when I'm going to text her and say it's okay to bring the noisy children back home because... Oh, you
1: need to look her up on Find My iPhone and find oh, out where she know, is. Let's
0: see where she is. Uh, <laughs> let me launch Find My iPhone. I'm going to do it live here on the show. Uh, fine. I don't know what folder I've stuck Find My iPhone in, so I always have to uh, do the quick search.
1: And uh, Now, here's something I hope in iOS 8 is they fix that. I am always losing apps on my on my phone. The uh, it's it's just too difficult to find stuff. Huh. The, you've got the search feature, but you once you put an app in a folder, it's like it's gone.
0: She's about a mile away right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once you put it away, and it's it disappears. You don't see it every time. So you know. Hey, David, you got your iPhone near you? Um, it's in the just just in the other room. Go go grab it. I want you to try yeah. something. And. Uh, For you listening i i I bet you didn't know this either because this is something that i just kind of learned and i thought yeah that's weird i actually posted this on facebook let me launch facebook see if anybody's commented on on uh i don't want to call it a feature because it's kind of the opposite of a feature nobody has commented all right you have it. all right go into messages like when i bring up messages it's the one that i sent you just you know an hour ago yeah all right. Now, you know, that little drawer doohickey when you swipe up from the bottom of the screen? Yeah. All right. If you've already got the text selected, so like you're getting ready to type something and you got the keyboard up, mm-hmm. you can't bring that up. Now, if you don't have text selected where you're just looking at the message, yeah. you could bring it up. But if you've actually got, I, I'll call it your cursor in the mm-hmm. iMessages thing, you cannot bring up that little drawer. By swiping from the bottom up. Oh. see what I mean? Yeah, I never noticed that before. Well, you wait a minute. No, you can, but you have to swipe from from the very bottom all the way to the top of the screen. Th- then it will bring it up. Yep, mine's bringing it yeah. up now. Yeah, yeah. Interesting.
1: I guess that's to stop it appearing annoyingly over the keyboard.
0: Yeah, because if you're you you go down and hit the space key. You don't want your iPhone to think that you're trying to bring that up because that would be annoying.
1: I I think what you actually have to do is swipe up past the keyboard and then it comes. But if you do it before, right? or or if you do it very slowly, it it obviously thinks, oh, he's clearly not typing, and then it comes up.
0: Apple is brilliant when it comes to these things, aren't they? Yeah. Just the little nuances like that that no one ever talks about. And you kind of discover it it on your own, and you're like the other thing. The other
1: thing on messages is if you, if you, have got your message list here, and you want to find out when they were all sent. If you just swipe in from the right hand side, every little message bubble gets the time next to it.
0: George Masters actually replied to my face. Excuse me, Facebook, and says, "Yep, I hate that." (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did it first until I learned differently. As we were recording the show. Um. So yeah, it looks like my wife is in the car and heading in this direction. So we should wrap up this podcast. In fact, yeah, she's coming down the street right now, and she's going to be pulling in the driveway within ten seconds. There we go, then. Yep. David, thanks for being on on a Saturday. We'll see what happens next week, either Friday or Saturday. If we push it to Saturday, we could probably get Nick on, but it will probably tick my wife off. So,
1: well, uh... I I could definitely do Friday, or um, I potentially could do something later in the day earlier in the week because I'm traveling so I'm going to be in hotels this week so I would have time and peace to talk if you want to do something earlier in the week right after WWDC we can probably
0: yeah. Sort well, let's, let's figure it out I love the lamp by the way that's <laughs> cool isn't it that is very cool I will uh, <laughs> put that in as the show notes and uh, I will talk to you next week my friend
1: okay speak to you soon bye bye